And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. What is up? Welcome to a Tuesday night edition of Candlepin Corner featuring The Approach. Uh, my voice is a little shocked. So we actually have Jordan with us tonight here. He's going to hop in for a little bit. And then we get Jeremy and Danny from The Approach. Let's get you guys in here. Let's have everybody. Yeah, he's snuck in on us. It's like guys. 30 seconds. Uh, I oh, asked him earlier. He wasn't sure if he could make it. On. And then I just... I just, I just hit him on here, and, and he's going to take over because I was yelling a lot this weekend on Saturday, and my voice hasn't been the same since. So I got a little bit of a, a throaty rasp. So I'm going to let Jordan carry I'll, – I'll produce from behind the scenes. I'll be here hanging out with you. But I'm going to let Jordan carry the, the talking I usually do is going to be through him. So I'll let you guys get started. We're here on Twitch.tv Candlebin Corner, but it's The Approach. Um, and they got a nice guest tonight. Yeah, we have – the the, the the king of the north, as uh, he is referred to on Ripping the Rack, Mr. Calvin Locke. There Calvin. he is. Yes, so I'm here. Calvin. Well, after uh, half an hour of computer crap and every other problem that could go wrong, we're here. Now, I always thought it was cold in Canada, but you got a nice pool set up right behind you, I see. <laughs> it is. It's beautiful. I'm ignoring all the blur on like, your shoulder and the hat. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's, just, that's just my general blur. I just walk yeah. around with it. Yeah. Helps your bowling, right? Go right through the ball. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. Uh, so what's going on out there in Canada? Canadian, uh, as Tim calls it. There's no snow yet. That's that's about the good thing about it. Uh, other than that, nice, sunny, nothing really going on. Well, Maple Leafs are on. I think they just started, right? Uh, they started, uh, yeah, 15 minutes ago. I'll <laughs> get my updates as we go, and we'll see how... We'll see how much they're asking Calvin a question. You'll be going, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. What? What'd you guys say? Oh, go tomorrow. <laughs> so going into a more entertaining sport, you know, bowling over hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so going all the way back, you know, I think you're the first non-American bowler we've ever had on the podcast. Am I, is that, am I right in saying that, Jeremy? Yeah, our first Canadian. First Canadian. Number one. So did you bowl in the youth league growing up? Yes, I ah oh, Tavares. See, look, I told you. It was just I I predicted it. It's what it is. Um, yes. Yeah, so, to be honest, I was basically born into this sport. Uh, my mother and father both bowled, and my mother was actually bowling with me, or bowling while she was pregnant with me. So. And then from, you know, every Wednesday or Thursday night, they bring me to the lanes and I run around and all that stuff. And then get to be older uh, in the youth league Saturday, mom takes my sister and I, and she drops me off at the bowling alley, gives me a $20 bill, says 13 of that's for your bowling and $7 you can use for your tokens after. So (laughs) it was just basically... That was what it was, and I enjoyed it. I did my bowling in the uh, wintertime and my ball in the summertime. Because so. a lot of Canadians take – I mean, it's, we see it here in America too, but take the summer off. Is that still – Oh, yeah. There's there's no leagues. Not in, Wow, there's a couple – there's a couple maybe summer leagues that people like just the doubles, mixed doubles or something like that. But, no, most, uh, most places actually here are closed for the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, how how is the business up? Here. How is the business up there, Ben? The last um, honestly, it's it's crazy. It's not um, it's not the league bowling anymore. It's the open bowling. Mm-hmm. A lot of families are going in there, and especially at uh, at Bowlerama and Dieppe, is I think they have a deal on you get you come in, you bowl two strings or three strings or something like that. You buy a pizza and a beer, and you get like thirty credits for the arcade or something so you come in with say like 10 of your friends yeah and you spend the 100 bucks which is 10 bucks a piece and then you basically have a night out right three strings of bowling and some arcade games and stuff like that so there's good i know it's 10 pin but the closest 10 pin alley to to the alley we bowl at ryan's uh, pens, they don't have leagues, and I, and I know somebody brought it up to the owner, and he said he makes more money on open bowling than he ever would on leagues. Yeah, it is. It's and that's what a lot of places are going for now. Like you know, tournaments. There's a, a bowling alley in Fredericton. We the 
I don't know if you guys probably never would have been there, but it's uh, it's not Kingswood. It's the other one, uh, the Bolodrome. And they just got bought out by a brewery just before the pandemic, I think. And they reshaped it. It looks great. And uh, they had Corey had his tournament on Saturday. And they told him never you'll never have another tournament on Saturday because he's they're packed. They're like everybody's in there to drink. Everybody's in there to you know they spend more money in there than they would anywhere else. So he's like, you can't have a tournament on Saturday. We make too much money. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons. Like with with the tournaments we host here, we we don't do anything. Uh, You know, Jeremy used to manage the the Ryan's and Millis. What from November to April tournament wise because that's really that's your money making season sometimes we could get away with end of march yeah but if if i asked like i see people popping up tournaments in february at some houses and if i ever called corporate and said i want to run an outrun the bear in february that'd be my walking papers like (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, especially especially in the winter time like uh i was just at a i mean just in woodstock for a tournament this weekend um and bj Hamilton, who runs the Woodstock Bolicade, he was telling me, and he even posted on his Facebook page that he is booked solid with Christmas parties and birthday parties, and like from open to close, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the next month and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you just there's no time to fit a tournament when you're making so much money off of the open well, bowling. Was it Friday? Was it no? It was Saturday morning. I showed up for the kids' league, so I walk in, and both you and Dan Esdale, like, they're like, oh my god, like you need to look at this. How many parties was that? It was eight. We had uh, so we do blocks at eleven, one thirty, four, and six thirty. Um, we have two. We can run two parties at a time, and they're all booked. And now we do lane reservations on top of that. Yeah. So so, so eight eight birthday parties in like that short span. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had that issue with uh, the pro series that one that one time. You know, like whatever happened. I mean, it almost ended up being a blessing in disguise because you guys had almost a record day. Yeah, we did. Um, it's just you know, it's one of those things that there is a happy, there's a balance, right? Because obviously, we want to see the competitive nature of the game continue, but the houses can't survive on leagues alone. Like, unfortunately they can't. And and we're always bowling for our own money and things like that. But it's good to see that the sport, that people are interested in the sport. And now the tricky part is what I try to do working at the alley is convince some of these people to join the leagues Um, and try to, then I take our average league bowlers and try to get them to bowl in more tournaments and things like that. Um, I I think that's why summer is going to be more, tournament heavy than anything else because people are going to try to cram those into those those mm-hmm. slots and i know you said right. a lot of them are closed but if they're going to keep making money some of that's going to trickle into may into june and you might see these bowling alleys start to open up a little bit more into the season if they can make money so so we're talking about tournaments like when, when did you start getting into the real competitive aspect um so the the clear memory i have from when i first started would be uh, I was there's a we used to have a provincials men's provincials mm-hmm. and that would usually end the season you'd, you'd be excited because that would be just after you were done your leagues like your league playoffs are over yep. and then you're going right into provincials right and so it, it cool went to like our state tournaments right but it's ours was a week long so oh, it was wow. like it was like world states yeah, it was like worlds but not as competitive I guess if right. you want to call it we didn't right. have any Americans it was just our provincials um so in 2007 i was just graduating high school and uh one of the teams from moncton they had a rule that if you weren't asked by your region or your your district or whatever um that any team could ask you to bowl so nobody knew that i was really wanting to bowl the tournament and so my mom she said, no, you can't. you got to finish your school before you can bowl in tournaments. And I said, well, but, but it's the end of the school year. Like, I'm graduating. Let me, <laughs> let me do this tournament. This team is asking me. So she didn't, let, she didn't end up letting me. So I, I know it was 2008 was my very first, like, getting into tournaments and getting into the, I guess, the adult, you know, way of bowling. Yeah. Yeah. And I still did youth leagues for a couple of years because they do our youth ends at, at the age of 19. So I've 
full youth till I was 19. And then from then on, I was into tournaments and the adults. So, so I mean, that's, a, I know we have a, I don't know, Danny, if there's still a rule, but like once you, if you're under 18, once, once you win tournament money, like as an adult, like that destroys your amateur status. So I don't want to speak to that whole rule um, because there's a blur that's happening with that. I know some states are more strict on that than others, but the one I've always heard is basically what Jeremy had said. So when we started our kids league, we were under the impression that you can't bowl adult leagues at all. Then we were told that you can't win money, but every league that you bowl in, you're going to make money. Even if you can't right. banquets aren't a thing anymore. Yeah. So they kind of twisted that into, well, they didn't make money. Their parents made money. Like I've seen it kind of like blur on how they're doing it. So um, I, I know I was trying to get some of our kids were struggling, you know, they would bowl well against each other, but then they would go up against other kids who were averaging 120. Come to find out some of them had been bowling against adults for three, four years at that point. And I had made a comment that, you know, I'm going to start bringing my kids into adult leagues and I won't say who, but somebody said, you know, if somebody complains, I'll name names. So I, I there's, the money thing is basically what I was told was the drawing line and your house leagues, you can kind of get away with it. But once you start doing non house tournaments, you lose your eligibility. I think that's kind of like Matt had, Matt had to give up um, his because he joined the ACST and that's harder to hide when you're on a tour. And on Facebook every 10 seconds. So that's a little bit harder to hide. That's interesting. You know, I never would have, I, I never would have gone to somebody and say you can't bowl adult leagues or you're not considered a youth anymore. Like that, that seems crazy to me. I'm with you on that because my thing is, you know, you look at these, the turnout for kids and, you know, I'm never going to, to knock what, you know, the ICYBA is doing, but you know, they don't have the numbers that they had back. Jeremy, when you were bowling, you were talking about, you know, wall to wall kids leagues. Those, yeah. They don't exist right. anymore. Yeah. Uh, I know Academy has a great league, uh, kids league going on right now, but, <clears throat> I just feel like we should be working towards being uh, more uh, inviting to everybody than trying to exclude people. Right. Be more inclusive. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you give them that, you know, you tell them you can't do adult stuff, you yeah. give them any inch to do something else, and then they catch on to something, maybe bowling goes away forever for them. Who knows? So Kate just made a comment. Kate, if you can post how old he was, there was a kid, I believe he was 16, um, wanted to join the Atlantic Canopin, I'm sorry, I keep saying Atlantic, amateur Canopin bowling tour. Um, but if they joined the ACBT, uh, they would have lost their youth eligibility, we were told. So we told. So I believe Kate told them that um, they could join, but they have no oversight over what the ICYBA would make on that call. So that kid could so I think he, I don't remember the final decision because it, it's for this upcoming year, but he's got to decide whether he wants to be a youth bowler or a bowl in the amateur tour now. He can't do both. Man. So. You yeah, know, I, say let, I, say, I say let him do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still, because what we, what we used to do, and this is how I thought was the fairest way to do it, is that you had age brackets yeah where like you do your you you have your bantams or your your youngs and then your you know your 10 let's say 10 to 12s and then your 13s to 16s and then your 17 18s and then your 19s like it was five different categories so everybody competed and then once you hit that 19 you're done you're not a youth anymore right like this this whole join a league well if if i want to go i'm 17, 18 years old. I got my own money now. If I want to join a league, but I still right. want to do the youth thing, like I'm still a youth. And yeah, because I mean, so, my so Kate, team... Kate's posting here that they they decided not to do the ACBT because they didn't want to lose their eligibility. Right. We right. did something similar here with the, it's three different age groups. I don't remember the, the the numbers unfortunately, but same thing. And I for us, it's 18 or once they're out of high school. I believe is what the age is. I think mm-hmm. I'm sure Jobbert would know more about that. Uh, but again, once they start making money, I think Boudreaux had to give up his eligibility. He did early. That was early with him. Well, I think he chose to, though, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, from what no, he told us. He, he couldn't do both. He was told right. once you do this, you're out of this. Right. But I think he ended up telling Peter Flynn, like what he told us is just like, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've done whatever yeah. I can do. I want to do this now. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See, that's because that's a little different because for us when we were – because my big goal was the very last year I wanted to win it because that's the only – like, you know what I mean? Like, in 
five years, I could win it three or four times because I have that chance. But this right. last year, that's the last one. It's the senior grad. It's the, you know, the big one, right? Like, so that's what my goal was, was to win that. And I did end up winning it. But I was still bowling competitively with adults and everything. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just think the more you allow somebody to bowl, the better. I mean, obviously, we don't want people, yeah. you know, lying about their year, how old they are, and getting eligibility. Um, you know, some twenty-year-old bowling against you know fourteen-year-olds, but <clears throat> if they want to bowl against adults, I mean, what's that's my. I mean, I, obviously, I'm not looking to take over anything, but I just don't understand why we're trying to exclude people from something that you know we're not seeing the numbers that we saw twenty right. years we're, ago. Let's we're not we're not in a in a state where we can basically, yeah. you know, pick and choose. And I, and I look at it too, like Matt right now is our only youth bowler um, that bowls in, in adult and he bowls in our junior league in Millis. It's actually and, kind of funny because my, my daughter bowls in the junior league and I just look down the line and there's like a bunch of little kids and then yeah, there's like Matt. really tall kid. <laughs> but and he, he's got a ridiculous reason, but I love it. He's got all he's got all the junior league records in Mills. They're not super high because we've only been running it for about eight years. And his reason is he knows that those records are going to fall. He's this is my last year to see if I can beat those records, and then I have the rest of my life to never bowl the kids league again. That's his reasoning. But um, but he learns a lot of stuff bowling in the adult leagues, and then he brings some of that back. And you could see him trying to coach some of the other kids as well. Mm-hmm. If he was told once you bowl with adults, you can't bowl with the kids anymore, then those kids don't really gain the knowledge that he's getting. I mean, we coach as well, but it's, kids like to hear from you know their peers yeah. as well. Yeah. So it kind of gives us, yeah, it gives us another basically another coach on the lanes that he's learning stuff on his own that he can bring to our league. And I feel like if we're going to restrict that, we're losing, not only are we losing it, but that next group of kids are going to lose that too. Right. And I also get a kick at, we have a kid in our league, Evan, I think he's 14. Kate probably knows because she keeps tracking this better than I do. And Evan just threw his first 300 and then he was matched up against Matt and he was all excited because he was, I'm going to beat Matt today. Like if we threw Matt into the league, they don't have that person to chase anymore. Right. Exactly. I think there should be a line with it. Like, if they want to bowl in adult leagues, then it's all right. But if they start getting a tournament play at like 15, are we letting like kids gamble almost? Is it because if they're going to pay like $100 for an entry fee and could win? I mean, I mean if you're good enough to, good for you. Wow. But is it kind of like slippery to let a. I don't know. Aren't we, aren't we essentially letting them do it with youth league? Like you're giving them prizes, yeah. right? It's not money, yeah. but you're giving but it, them prizes. It's a, it's a gift card. Gift cards, baby. <laughs> yeah. I, but I just, I think too, like one of the issues that we had with getting the kids to that next level is the top kid wasn't really chasing anybody. They were the best bowler in the league averaging like mm-hmm. 94. And, you know, there was a few times that not that I'm a great bowler, but I would bowl against the kids and be like, come on, you got to push, you got to push. Then they would go to States and, you know, run into Josh Daly throwing, you know, a 120 in their face. And they're going, what the hell just happened? And it's like, yeah, that's what's out there. But they don't, you know, we weren't seeing them come down and practice as much because they were already the best bowler in the league, not realizing there's a whole nother tier Mm -hmm. out there. And you can tell them that 10 different times. They're not going to believe it until they see it and they run into it. Right. Um, so that's why I think, you know, with Matt bowling against it, and I only use him because he's the only 18 year old. There's kind of a gap in age um, between him and the other kids right now because all the other kids, he was the youngest of a group, and then they all aged out. And now he's the only one left. But there's a kid that's 15 that's on his team that's already asking when he can start bowling adult league. Like, <laughs> so we're going to have another wave after that. And they're chasing him, he's chasing the kids. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is what we call a buzzsaw. But, like, that's what's going to happen. And I think back to your point, Jordan, you know, a 15-year-old kid gambling $100 and coming back and bowling the other kids, those are the kids that are going to want to beat that kid. And it's going to push them to be better. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. And I think we need to see more competitive aspect in this game and seeing that next wave up because without that next wave, we're gonna, the game's going to age out. Yeah. For sure. So, so, so like out other other than provincials, like I mean, I mean, I don't know what the like the center situation was like. How many centers you had up in your area at one point? I know the numbers now are not even close to what they used to be. Like, no. what did you have like weekend tournaments like like throughout the summer well, or as, not the summer? Not no, the summer. We, we well we shut down in the summer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's we right. Have, we would have the Can-Ams, which is what we have with the Americans, the mixed yep. doubles. Um, 
We would have that, and then we would have maybe a random tournament in August. That might be the only times yep. we would have anything bowling in the summer times. But come September, there's usually like back when back when we had provincials and everything like that, and bowling was still you know fun and good and going and competitive back in about 2013 or 11 to 14 mm-hmm. um, we had once a month tournaments in different areas of the province we usually had september was st john and october was uh fredericton and november was the world so we didn't really have a tournament there just because it, we knew everybody was going december was moncton and January was Campbellton. Like we did, everybody had their month to throw the tournament and everybody knew when it was. And there was always at least 12 teams. Sometimes we had in Moncton, sometimes we had a couple Nova Scotia teams come over like to join. But yeah, like it was packed every weekend. We, or every month, once a month, we'd have a tournament. Now, when, when we talked to Tommy also, we asked him about his world experiences and if he thought of any Canadian bowlers that stuck out to him. And he said he couldn't pick out individual people, but he also said that the Canadians were more team based. Would would, yeah. would you would you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. We don't yeah. we I don't remember the we have sorry, I shouldn't say that. We have Moncton used to have it. They don't have it anymore. It's called the King of the Hill. And yeah. everybody knows what a King of the Hill is. Ours right. is different from yours. We do ours a little different, but um, there's always King of the Hill, but that's the only singles stuff we have mm-hmm. other than usually the day before the provincials. Again, it's like worlds. We'd have the singles on the Monday and then Tuesday through Friday. It's, and it was the exact same concept, right? Like you bowled nine, ma- 11 matches. And so anyways, so that was, that's it. Everything else is team, 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 handicap team, handicap team, everything. Right? What's the difference um, in the King of the Hills? Um, I think you guys do because uh, they like do a ladder format. Yeah, you got you guys do like a ladder, right? Well, we do yeah, yeah. like we do five head to heads, and then if you won your head to head, you got like three points. If you tied, you got two points, and if you lost, you still got a point. And then you do that, and you go week by week by week by week, and then at the end of it, at the end of the year the top like 16 in points so think of it like the pro series yeah think of it like the pro series once a month you'd have the king of the hill and then you'd have to go and bowl and think and then at the end of the year you'd have your points and then they'd have you'd go head to head and in ladder style and then at the end of the year you'd have one king of the hill where i think you guys basically do it every month there's a king of the hill every time yeah oh not only that but there's (laughs) how many different houses are running those right now right Right. Yeah. Everybody I mean, because I mean, they're easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like River Walk does one every week now. Forget about every month. They, it's every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Walk does one weekly. Walk, yeah. Spare yeah, time still do the. Spare still time do the still does once a month. Do a month. They do a scratch and a handicap. CPL does a handicap, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, uh, King of the Palace, same thing. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna ask. I've seen different variations where, like, the king is the returning champions automatically in the finals. I've seen that they have to roll off if they want to better their spot. If not, they have to start. So I was curious if if that was what the difference was. No. Yeah. No. No. We just do because it's always that way. We've always bowled just head to head, and if you win, you get points. If you lose, you still get points. And if you tie, you know everybody gets points, right? So it was just that. And then there was. You know, you keep your pinfall because if there was ties, it's just always broken by average or pinfall throughout the. So, so the the big bowler, you know, the in the eighties, you know, was from the Channel Five days. You knew who your favorite bowler was because they were on TV. Did yeah. you guys have anything like that in Canada? Yeah, we used to have. Um, it was called the the Belvedere. There was the Belvedere Challenge or the Belvedere Cup. And there was always stuff on Rogers, like Rogers would have stuff, but now there's no cable anymore, right? So no more Rogers. They'd always have like basically a king of the hill on TV. Like they'd do a roll off and then they'd have the, you know, basically what you see with 10 pin, right? You'd just see the playoffs, but there'd be like a week long yeah. build up to it, right? So, so who, yeah. who are some of the guys that we may not know that you got, that you watched 
I don't think there's anybody you guys. Well, you may not know them because they haven't bowled in a long time. But there was, uh, yes, uh, gamer bowler, whoever that is. Yes, Eastlink had several bowling shows in the '90s, too. They had a lot of stuff. That's the Nova Scotia, I think, is there. That's uh, Nova Scotia channels and stuff. But yeah, um, so I don't know that you wouldn't know, but Peter Kidney. I used to love watching Peter Kidney bowl. He bowled on the on the Rogers shows and stuff. And then uh, Al Peterson. But again, these are guys that you guys would know. So yeah, just bring you yeah. give some people some shout outs that you know we yeah. usually don't hear on our pod. You know, when we do mostly American podcasts. Oh yes, very it's, true. Give some guys a shout out that don't don't get a lot yeah. of love twenty yeah. thirty Tony, years later. T- Tony LeBlanc. He's one that. A lot of people know if, if they've yep. been bowling for a while. Um, yeah, so a lot of those guys, a lot of the older guys, you know from you know the 2000s world, the 99s world, stuff like that. Because so. one of the things that I love about this game is, especially when it was on TV, and we brought it up before, is you know we all sat and watched. Jeremy talks about his you know, grilled cheese uh, and watching Channel 5. And then a few years later, you're, you're bowling these guys. Yeah. There's not a lot of sports, you know, I, I never played basketball against Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? But like we get to bowl against the people that we got to see and idolize. Was it the same way up there in Canada where you were watching these guys bowl and then a few short years later, there you were sharing a lane with these guys? You know, actually, no. By the time, because I mean, if you think of like Hal Peterson, he last bowled, I think, in 2003 and hasn't touched the lane since. Yeah. And he just, he's like, I, I'm done. I'm good. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't want to do it. So he basically just quit right there. And then a lot of other guys um, hurt themselves. I got to bowl with Peter a lot. I got to bowl with him at Worlds a couple times. Um, we actually won the first Worlds that we won in 2015. The first all New Brunswick team, not the first New Brunswick team, but the first <laughs> all New Brunswick team. Um, we ended up, so I bowled with him and that was a great moment because, you know, like, I mean, growing up, he was the guy. And even so, my uh, my grandfather and grandmother live in Woodstock. So they'd take me because they knew I loved bowling, right? So they'd take me to the bowling alley when I'd go up there in the summertime and Peter would be there running the bowling alley. So I'm bowling and Peter's coaching me or bowling beside me and like, you know, me being a kid, like, oh, you're the guy on TV and you're the guy I've been watching. <laughs> so, yeah, stuff like that's always fun. I enjoy that. So, 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 2015 was your first Worlds. First Worlds win, yes. Okay, what what was your first what what was your first, first year that you went? First on? year was 2009. 2009. Okay, that was my first year at Worlds. So that that must have been Halifax. Uh, yes, Halifax bowling with Mike Andrews. Actually, that was the year. That and it's probably one of I I wish uh, there was a camera or I would because you know the mind doesn't remember 13 years ago what exactly happened but Corey Smith shares it almost every year we have it we because he took a picture of it and we have it saved uh, and everything is when we were bowling uh, Maria's in the first round of the playoffs Friday night they were the defending champions they won in 2008 that was Jeff Surratt and yep. Craig Holbrook that year in 2009 and we were down 65 pins going into the third string and we threw a 705 to their 620 and it came down to the last box Surrett in the 10th box made the spread eagle of course he did yeah <laughs> he made the, he made the spread eagle after Justin Jones had hit uh, I think it was an eight drop with wood and then Justin went down the side and slopped like seven on it to win by two or to shut him out basically yeah. he threw five on his mark i think we won by two so it was just it one of those moments but that was yeah that was my first world was to get down there to do that so that was pretty crazy first world yeah my my first year was oh three and and the guys that i remember because was Jeez, we, we bowled I, yeah, <laughs> um, McCl- when we bowled McLaughlin, and that was my my first experience seeing guys like Chris Hallett and Rob Henderson, and and those guys, and my mind was absolutely blown. Just um, yeah. the amount of things that those guys could have could have done down here in the states, you know, TV appearances and all and, and stuff like that. 
Now, do you feel like a lot of Canadians are underrepresented in the Hall of Fame? We didn't know if you were done or not. And I'm like, okay. Jeremy, Jeremy's oh, yeah. good with the dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah, okay. But do you, do you feel like a lot of Canadians are underrepresented in the Hall of Fame? I do. I mean, to really think of it, I, like if you think of the Hall of Fame and stuff like that, like there's – you think of basically McLaughlin and you, you think of basically that whole team could be in the, the yeah. Hall of Fame because they have six, seven worlds together. Like four and in a row. They had five was it was it four in a row or five in a row? I thought it was five in a row. Okay. I thought it was four in a row and five out of six. No, I'm either way. Five in a row and six out of seven. And then it was even like seven out of nine because I or because I think they won they won before they went on their run. And then yeah. they won after their run, so I think it was something like that. And anyways, it was I, ridiculous, I never, whatever it was. Yeah, and that was the unfortunate part. Is basically my world. I didn't know who they were, and then I didn't really go back to you know watching them because even after they won their last one, I think in two thousand six or five, I think. Yeah. So I was past that, right? And I didn't get to see them bowl and see them. But then I got a little bit of it in 2013 when they formed two different teams. McLaughlin came back, and and that's the year that they won. And Rob Henderson had his team. So I got to basically watch both of them, but never together as a unit when they were just destroying everybody, right? So, Right. Yeah. We always, especially when we have the guys that bowled, Worlds in the '90s <clears throat> about the Canadians being, excuse me, on the chirpier side. Oh now, yeah, I've always been told Canadians were friendly. Yeah, oh yeah, we're friendly. So where did all this chirpiness come from? Well, the chirpiness is the competitive side of it. You can be friendly and competitive all at the same time. Because I like, like I like Jeremy, but you don't think I put myself purposely on third because in the third string because I knew Jeremy was going to suck against me. Hundred percent. Absolutely, I did. I, I, I knew exactly 100%. what you were doing. I said, I, exactly I said, Jeremy. Doing. I said, Jeremy's bowling too well. I'm putting myself third. I'm going to shut him up a little, and maybe that'll slow them down. And it almost <laughs> worked. It almost worked. I almost didn't make it that far. I no, was ready to pull right. myself. I was, I was so happy you made those two marks to keep you in. But boy, did I eat my words there because you started out pretty ridiculous in the first four boxes. <laughs> I, I will I will say when and I think Jordan will say have the same sentiment when it came down to those last two boxes that that total was shrinking oh awfully boy. quick oh boy <laughs> yeah yeah you know and you, and you got yeah of course like and you at this point you guys are just having fun you're oh, just yeah. throwing you're just throwing marks up there and the next thing you know it's like 52 and coming yeah. down coming yeah. down yeah coming and down we're coming and, and down and and I'm going, um, guys. Yeah. And we were open and we were open four times too. And I'm like, oh, oh this is getting good. <laughs> Just watching them tighten up a little bit. And here come the punches. Now, do you enjoy that chirpiness? Like uh, giving that yeah. why do you think people think I'm an asshole? Listen, I am <laughs> a really nice guy, and trust me, people keep telling me that, and I don't like it because then they talk to me. And I don't <laughs> I don't like that. It's not enjoyable. But I love chirping. I'll sit, I'll stand behind you. And, you know, I guess the reason I should say that is because I know that I can back it up. I know that if I chirp you, if you chirp me, I'm going to make my shot and chirp you right back. But some people, you know, they can't handle the chirping because they're, they get it in their head. And when, you know, you miss one nine drop and I turn around and say, that's a good nine you got there, bud. And uh, (laughs) you throw it again. And then I go, that's a good nine you got there, bud. Well, you know, I enjoy it because I know I'm going to make mine. But if you can't make yours, well, now we're in trouble. <laughs> I, I I think the one that I know Danny has one too, but the one that made me laugh was was it? It might have been JJ. I'm not 100 percent sure, but you kept getting two and ones, two and ones, two and ones, whatever it was. And he's like, "Just go make it," and you're like, "I will. I don't <laughs> want to, but I'm going to." And then I turned around and made the shot. I just said I don't want to but I'll keep making them I don't remember the leave it was you were bowling it was um in the regular it wasn't in the playoffs yet you were bowling Jeremy's team and it was on the TV lanes I think it was Nick 
well, you're going Nick. I knew that. I just wasn't the one seven or the five seven. He hit clean, and they were Academy was ahead, but you guys kind of you still had an outside chance to pull back in. I mean, your team's got a great firepower. It's always possible with your team. And Nick made that crazy spare. And you just turn around and you just went, why? You're so mean. Well, <laughs> it was funny too you know. because Kate was watching it at work, but she couldn't hear the audio. And all she saw was you screaming at Nick. And she's like, oh, Calvin is pissed. I was like, no, that's not what he's no. <laughs> so He's no. calling Nick mean. <laughs> yeah, because there was just no reason for it. For him, that kind of crap. There's just no reason for it. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. So my, the first experience, and I think – I ever had had with you. It was my first year back at the Worlds in, when it was in Manchester, and I was on a throw like a throw together team. Like we weren't going to win anything, like but we were just hoping to make some noise. And it was Heffernan, of all people, gets up, throws a ball at like the four pin, ends up with a nine drop with two pieces of wood, and you know I'm just like, okay, well that was something. And then he complained. He complained about getting a nine drop after throwing the ball to four pin. And you and you just turned around and looked at him like, are you serious? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? And like, it, you looked like actually genuinely aggravated. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, why are you complaining? Yeah, I know. Uh, when he, uh, Brian Heffernan, yeah, that's another guy. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's something else, that one. <laughs> So he's a, he's a, he's a good kid, but, but oh, yeah. I, I like I, I do like well, Brian. I'm gonna ask it this way so it doesn't get personal. Are there certain people you chirp more than others because you know it'll get under their skin more so? Um, no, I treat everyone equally. <laughs> I, I, I I chirp everyone equally, and usually it's it's um, I know I've I know I've met uh, a few people who couldn't take it and maybe got a little bit upset but for the most part because a lot of people um always like to tell me i can't believe you've never been punched in the face before (laughs) (laughs) and i basically tell them well it's because i know who to chirp and i know how to chirp so i think there's only been a, a couple times where somebody told me to shut up but other than that they know that if I'm going to dish it out, I'm going to take it. And yeah. I've got, I've got broad shoulders for a reason. So, <laughs> so I mean, for the most part, it seems like you're just having a lot of fun up there. Oh, I am. I mean, I, I, there's not much that can bring me down. I'm, I'm always very chirpy. And if I'm not, it's probably because I might be tired, <laughs> but I, I'm always chirpy. Whenever I get to the lanes, it, I'm always going to, have fun and I, I just feel that's the way it should be the people who get like i get mad and i everybody gets mad it's just the way of the world no matter how much you bowl well or how much like i threw a 455 the other night and got zero points that is the angriest i've ever been throwing a 455 in a league I got a 455 in a league. This wasn't at Worlds, and I threw a 455 and got zero points. This was a league with 110 average bowlers, and I had a yeah, 455. Yeah, I was going to say, how many pins are you given? Yeah, well, we were given. We were only given nine, actually. All right, then I got nine. team wow. let me down. My <laughs> team sucked ass. Shit, sorry, was that loud? Sorry. My team is absolute trash, and they let me down. Um, so, you know... It was, it's just, I don't get, I don't get mad. And it, I've before, cause you know, I've, I've maybe broken a couple things, but you know, in the younger days, again, before you mature and realize that banging stuff is just not the way to do it. Um, you know, I get mad at myself now. I talk to myself, everybody, everybody always says that they just, why are you talking to yourself? Well, because I'm mad at myself. I'm not <laughs> mad at what's going on down there. Because if I, if my ball is hitting the three pin, it's not anybody else's fault. It's not yeah. the pin's fault for not getting a nine pin drop with wood. It's my fault for not throwing the ball at the middle. So I'm talking to myself, telling myself, listen, you idiot, stand up there, throw the ball because you know how to do it. 
you can do it anytime you want and just do it. But that when you don't think about that, sometimes you get out of your own rhythm and you throw the ball at the three pin or the two pin. So three pins, my bitch lately, right? <laughs> Heard that. I did it, honestly, I, I, I can't remember what it was Saturday. I was bowling and four straight boxes, three pin, three pin, three pin, three pin. I'm like, I, I, I am stupid three pin. Yeah. Sometimes I think if we can move the head pin over where the three pin is, I'd be a decent bowler. I wish I could. I wish yeah, right. I could. <laughs> so how do you compare? We were talking about like the individual um, game doesn't really exist as much in Canada. It's very team oriented. Do you think that there's room for that anywhere for like, we have a league down here that's just straight singles. It's all head to head channel five yeah, here was all head to head. Do you wish that there was something more in Canada that was driven towards who's the best single bowler or I do you tried. think I tried yeah. that. I tried, I tried doing that. Um, I said, and I'll say it uh, a thousand times until I'm blue in the face. You'll never see anything singles oriented here like they do in the States because between what, between uh, Southern whatever in Massachusetts to Northern Maine, there's what, four and a half, five hours? Yeah. Maybe between Edmonston where we have a bowling alley and the bottom of Nova Scotia in where we have a bowling alley is about 12 and a half hours difference. So there's no way you're going to see anything singles oriented in Canada because with team, you have a car full of guys, you're drinking on the way, you're gabbing on the way, you're having fun and you crashing a night in a hotel and you're having a good time, right? With the singles, if you're one person, driving to one place you don't want to drive six and a half hours by yourself some people i mean i would because i enjoy i enjoy driving by myself i just put on some music and just ride ride the wave and whatever right but some people don't enjoy that and it gets expensive and you know you can't do it so you'll never see a singles oriented thing in canada because there's just too much difference between a and b so jeremy um would know more about this i know he bowled in it once was it barber that set up basically a singles worlds one year yeah i want to say it was 2015 something like that it was basically world's format it was all one day but it was just one string matches and you had two divisions 12 bowls in each division and then you know playoffs it was, it was a lot of fun so i'm wondering if you could do something like that where it's kind of an event because that's that's one Maybe. of the reasons that I do like the the singles format and I know a lot of people tend to go towards the teams and I know the camaraderie, you can't beat that in a singles event, but there's always the great thing about when we had the channel five was for a period of time, who's the best, who's the champion mm-hmm. where with a team, it's a group like for, and I know there's a lot of team sports, but um, you know, baseball, hockey, but it's always, even on a team sport, like when we're doing teams, it's, it's still, there's some individual aspect to it, right? Like nobody can help you make your spare. They can tell you where to shoot it. But at the end of the day, you have to put the ball where you want to put it. It's an individual sport kind of masquerading as a team sport in that sense. So I, I've always liked the idea of, you know, who's the best. And I would love, you know, I know travel and the money's not in the game, but it's like, if we could get to that level and then see, you know, who's the best Canadian, you know, take the top 20 Canadians, have to take the top 20 Americans and put them in a bracket format. Who's the best? You know what I mean? Like, but, I would love then, to see- but how would you do that? Because, you know, in my thinking right now, I would say, I mean, if let's, let's just say we're all bowling on a regular basis. Let's just say mm-hmm. there's no pandemic. Let's just say anything like that. I believe Nate LeBlanc is the best bowler in Canada. Mm-hmm. So if I go in and we bowl one string and I throw 170 and beat Nate LeBlanc. Am I really the best bowler or did I just get lucky that one string? Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's Mm -hmm. tough to do that. This is your best bowler because in our sport, any, like, I mean, not that I'm saying it's bad, but look at Academy. They were not picked to win the worlds. Not one bit. Not, I don't think anybody looked at them and said, this team is going to win the world. Are they going to? Make I mean, I'd like to think we, we would have been thought. I, I mean, I'd like to think we would have been 
picked as a playoff team. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Playoff, playoff, absolutely. You guys were making the playoffs. I don't care which division you were on. You had, you know, you had Norcross, who's probably one of the top fifteen to twenty, you know, leadoff bowlers in the game. There's probably, you know, there's uh, you guys had Danny Harris, who I didn't even know existed, but you know, he came in and averaged one hundred and twenty-seven for the week and just tore the lanes apart. So, you know, you look at those guys and you're like, absolutely playoff yeah. team, but when? And then, yeah. And then Justin had his coming out party, basically. Right. Yeah. And just tore the lanes up, never moved from the four spot. It looks like I may have some competition in the four spot for who's the best. So. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, like it's just, you, you never would have picked it. So to think and go into a singles and say, I won that day or that what a weekend you just be like, oh, Calvin's the best. Well, I don't think so because if we go to a bowling tournament or an average or like at Worlds, yeah, I'm going to get out averaged probably by three or four Canadians. Heck, I got out averaged by Matt Harnett at the Worlds. Yeah, so, I don't. I mean, I don't think a one string format will ever tell you who's the better bowler because no. anything could happen in one string. Right. But I do think if there was something. And I'm not saying that it would prove that he was the best, he or she was the best bowler that day, you know, of all time, you know, whatever. But I think if if you could get a a 32-person tournament, 16 Americans, 16 Canadians, I don't know how you get the draft for who's the best, and bracket it five strings, I think it'd be entertaining if nothing else. And yeah, maybe the best one bowler, like you said, with, you know, we'll tool on Academy, that terrible team. The best bowler may not win, but to win that championship through that gauntlet of bowlers, it's got to be... Oh, for sure. Some type of accomplishment. And I, I, and I think you could easily do that by just taking, not that I'm saying there aren't better bowlers who have not bowled Worlds, but there you take the top like 16 averages American for Worlds because I know there was a sheet that was made, like Tommy yeah. made a sheet, and he could make up another one over the, of the last two or three years or whatever. You'd put the top 16 American averages and the top 16 Canadian averages, and that's what you'd do, and you'd put them in there. And, yeah. Because that, you know, you think of the worlds and you think that's the best of the best. Whether there's people who aren't in worlds or people who haven't, those are the best bowlers that go out to bowl. So you'd take those top 16 averages. That'd probably be the yeah. easiest way to do it. So, how we so while we're talking... Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. How we do our singles tour right now, it's very regionalized. Yeah. And you only bowl, like the, there's a south and a north. And you only bowl, the south only bowls the north if you make it all the way to the finals. Right. So you wouldn't have these twelve-hour drives up and back, right? We couldn't do that. And, right, all the way at the end. And yeah. um, somebody brought up too. If you want to see more bowling, uh, I'm going to guess this is um, Corey asking the question. Um, you know, you're seeing more on Facebook now. I'm sure um, with the streaming era, everyone with a with yes. a cell phone is recording themselves. Right. We haven't seen a ton out of Canada. So when do when does the streaming era start in Canada? um uh, streaming i don't know if we ever will i don't know if we have somebody who would be that dedicated to you know doing the you know what paul grant does and doing all that stuff where um that and also a lot of them don't have wi-fi it's not like uh it's not a you know it's not a common thing to have Wi-Fi, and a lot of people don't want to use their data because it's just too much. For sure. So, you know, you there's still a, depending on how much memory you have, you could still record it on a phone and re-upload. Absolutely, um, just because I think there's, and I and I know we're seeing it here. Like, there's so many bowlers like in Maine that I didn't never got to watch because I'm yeah. not going to drive six hours to watch a house league. But Absolutely. now it's like I'm seeing matches of people I've never heard of before. You know, and I, I I think it's it's kind of bringing the game back to a to a spot where we weren't in for the last ten years. And I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I would love to see some Canadian. Like I, I've only seen you bowl a handful of times. Yeah. You know, and I made I made the joke about Amanda Carroll, but I'll make the same comment about you, where I said there's more footage of me bowling on Facebook and YouTube than Amanda Carroll. Well, there's more footage of me bowling than you right now. I think right. that's a problem. You're- well. I don't know if there's more. I got my worlds, and there's <laughs> there's a whole bunch. You had all the ACC matches. Well, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of matches that I've been a part of, but I'm a 1-0 average. You're a top level bowler. Like, while well, you're listen. still at a high level, let's get that. Let's get some listen, of that recorded. For you tomorrow night, I will go live on Facebook, and we can record our Wednesday night league. Yes, but there might be there might be a lot of uh, swearing and alcohol abuse, but. 
That's I'll welcome. figure out a way. <laughs> so, and back to your comment about Paul Grant, and I'm not taking anything away from what he does, but you don't necessarily need a Paul Grant because it didn't start with Paul Grant. Like no. it started. No. And maybe. No, no, but I mean, I, I should, I should clarify. I mean like recording it like wise and you know, the equipment wise, I don't know that we have anybody who's that dedicated to. Right. But having what I their equipment say is, stuff. is, you know, really started with just people throwing their cell phones up, you know, Frank DeLuca yeah. was doing some commentary. Then you had all the little shows pop up. Uh, well, I don't want to say little shows, but you had shows pop up and then you had guys like Bob Lee and Paul Grant started recording. And now there's a ton of guys doing broadcasting. And I think if you, if somebody starts the ball rolling, other people are going to start kind of, jumping in on that and and i think the more content we see you know and let's face it not to be on the little like sad part but we can all all of us can only do this for so long right oh absolutely and it would be nice to to go back and you know say you throw um you know your new high single in a league wouldn't it be nice to have that recorded (laughs) you never know when you're going to have a night yeah, no, it's done so much for exposure too. Even like somebody like we were just talking about with Justin Waters, like yeah, he exploded last year bowling in the ACST and being streamed. I think if he doesn't have that opportunity to to get that kind of exposure from the streaming, I think there's a legitimate chance that Cheech never even asks him to be on the team last right, year. Right. Like in, is, in, and then obviously true. we saw what he helps lead the academy team to this year, and a lot of that I think was was part of the the streaming element because he got so much exposure in such a short time with how well he dominated. So yeah, it would be cool to see it just because there's so many Canadian boys that we don't know. Even like you, Calvin, like because I'm so raw with this. I saw you for the first mm-hmm. time. I was like, oh, that's who Calvin Locke is. Okay, <laughs> like I knew your name. Yeah. I've known your name since I was like 17, but. I never actually seen your face. I was like, oh shit, that's who he is. That's who Matt Harnett is. Like Adam Lowe, yeah. that's what Adam Melanson looks like. No shit. <laughs> like yeah. I think it would be cool to to be able to see all those big names and even the ones that we don't know that that are really good that could help grow the sport at least a little bit more. Adam Melanson is the one guy who in, since my first time seeing him like six years ago, hasn't aged at all. In fact, he looks <laughs> younger. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Calvin has nothing nice to say about anybody. That's what I've learned. <laughs> no, I, 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 um, Adam is awesome. He's, he's plead, plead the fifth. Um, uh, no, <laughs> he's starting to look a lot like his father, which is very bad. So <laughs> he's got to, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing too. And then I, again, I think this is Corey bringing up cause somebody brought up lower level bowlers, not wanting to be filmed, which I totally understand because you don't want people to feel like their privacy is being invaded or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, but, I believe they all get the option. Right. Yeah. But at the, well, I, we're just, if you're filming a league, some people just, because I've, I've seen it happen at Millis where people are bowling in a league and then they turn around, they see a tripod up there and they're going, why am I being filmed? ACST, it's a little bit more, you know you're being filmed because it's two people. That's me, I'm lower than four. <laughs> but Corey brought it up. There's a ton of times where you can bowl and then, you know, you can't see what you're doing. You can, you know, I know for the longest time people kept telling me you're dropping your shoulder, you're dropping your shoulder. And then it wasn't until I started doing ACST that I watched and I went, oh, that's what that looks like. Like, why am I turning my whole yeah. body? Right. You watch yourself back on camera and you go, oh, that's why my ball is going right at the six pin because I'm twisting my body the other way or whatever that it may be. I think recording yourself also gives you the ability to kind of go back, critique yourself and and maybe make some adjustments. Spencer, so, I'm always critiquing your bowling. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're getting closer to the end. So I want to get through these, these questions that uh, sure. we had, we had uh, Mike McIntosh coming in hot said, what's it like being married into a family where you may be the fourth, <laughs> best, have the fourth best bowling career. <laughs> Well, I don't know who the third one is. I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about Julie, but uh, the other two, uh, I mean, yes. Uh, Mr. Phil Bernatchi, has, right? Yeah, Phil yeah. has Phil has the high single in Bangor, and Brian Brian has had a great career, but I still have more worlds than both of them combined. So I don't know who has the better career or not, but. I do. Uh, how many 700s do you have? Uh, four. Four. Jeremy, how many 700s do you have? No. Four, four less than that. <laughs> this is like Russ, Russell Wilson's uh, touchdown versus bathrooms in his house. Yeah. <laughs> how many Jeremy have? 
<laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Lou uh, says, "Do you think there? Do you think there is or notice any differences in ball placement spin uh, between American and Canadian bowlers?" Um, ball placement and spit. No, um, I know there's, and we talked about this on the number one rated podcast. Um, <laughs> we talked, <laughs> we talked about, uh, how people like, cause we were talking with Barber and how he has the most unique style I think I've ever seen in my life where you basically just power drive to the line and then snap the ball. And he thinks he's throwing the ball straight, but we all watch his arm and his hand just flicker everywhere. <laughs> so I don't know that there's any difference. Um, I, I find that there's more, um, Americans from left to right than right to left, where there's more Canadians from right to left than left to right. Like I found there's more like it's, it's obviously with both, but there's more of a dynamic to one to the other. So that's about the only difference I notice. What's with Ryan Flynn's unique form. He has actually changed that. Um, but he used to start out and then go up and actually full tilt the whirl throw the ball um if you can youtube when irby used to uh record the worlds irby irby um when he used to record if you go on there and i can't remember if they were moncton fair lanes or moncton something and watch him against the two weeks notice i think he bowled that match and just so he'd start out here and he'd go up and actually do the full round and throw the ball I think I tore my shoulder listening to that story. Like, oh, trust me, I we try. Everybody has tried to do it, and nobody, nobody, nobody knows how he does it. Wow. And then there's Kevin Gratton who hooks the ball and he hooks it behind his back and then comes across with it. I've seen that. That's why I've seen him. Yeah. yeah. No, I just don't know how people throw the ball. Sometimes I'm yeah. just pain, really. And of course, Tim wants to know who's your favorite bowling for Maine and why is yes. it him. Yes, Tim is my favorite bowler from Maine, and it's probably just because he's short and I can <laughs> rub his little bald head and who's a good Timmy and just <laughs> pat him on the head when he's doing good. Good job, Timmy. Good ball. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what people do to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I use it all the way bald, yeah, but we're working on it. When when we were bowling when we were bowling them during the worlds, I used Tim as an armrest and I just kind of <laughs> leaned up against him. I'm like, Tim, how's your day going? <laughs> If we ever bowled together, it would probably what would they probably call us ten feet of terror. Well, that's yeah. what you and Freshie were, weren't you? <laughs> that's right. I think he was a little bit taller than me, but I think it's just because he had more hair at the time. <laughs> Gives you that lift. <laughs> I I think that's about oh about wrapping it up. If you had to pick one person you would say is your favorite bowler of all time or somebody that you looked up to the most either be a mentor or just somebody you enjoyed watching who, who would you say it be good lord I, i'm hoping nobody i know personally and uh, that uh, that are close to this person is watching this because i know they'll tell him um but unfortunately it's justin jones um I've said this to him a thousand times and I'll say it to him a thousand more. There's nobody I'd rather have in front of me throwing the ball. Um, it's he's when he is, he's probably, I, if, if he didn't drink as much <laughs> and if he could just stay in that zone, the guy is probably the best bowler I've ever seen. Because when he gets even that little fluff ball that he throws, when he gets in that zone and he throws the snap on the ball, it's in the pocket and he's eight, nine pin breaks and he'll make every one of them. So, I mean, now he wants to retire, but he, he says that every year. Um, but yes, Justin Jones would probably be the one guy that I enjoy watching or enjoyed watching as I grew. Cause I mean, we've been bowling together for, 11 years now on the same team in whatever big tournament like men's tournaments or provincials or worlds we've been bowling together so yeah it'd probably be him nice 
Well, well thank you for coming on what the number two and a half or three rated podcast. <laughs> no, no, number two. It's a solid number two. And I, I don't know the if we, and we're the ones. I don't know if we could beat out Candlepin Corner. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I didn't even know you guys were still a thing until I thought Jordan was dead and then I saw him here, so <laughs> I'd like to be. <laughs> I'd like to be promo video at the beginning of the podcast. I was like, is Jordan even still alive? And I saw him. I was like, whoa. Bam. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> Well, I mean, at some point, we, we do want to get the three of you guys on, and we'll do one big crossover, you know, with you. Uh, the, what do they call him? The Coastal Crusader, Coastal Brian Crusader. Ather. Yeah, Coastal Brian Crusader. Ather. And then we'll just call him Tim. Gim. 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 Gim Didero. Gim Didero, yeah. I, I think that that the I think Corey said it in our group chat. The the internet may explode. Yeah, <laughs> it could be a, a bowling catastrophe. No, nobody would know what to do with themselves. They wouldn't know where they're watching. Are we watching Rip in the Rack? Are we watching the approach? They'd have, are we, they'd have are no we clue. Caleb but... in corner. Oh. We're going to rip up the approach on the corner. Rip in the approach yeah. on the corner. Oh, wow. But, but it, it would be an absolute blast, though. It so we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to plan that for the for the near future. We will Maybe we won't go on so late. No, yeah, please don't. I mean, we do this late all the time, too. So. I was about Nothing to say, you new. guys start at nine. I know. Yeah, he didn't even help me know we were live. Yeah, I didn't even know what was going on. I was telling I, him, he's I, like, yeah, but we don't record on Tuesday. That's fine. I was like, I know, but I don't want it to have the same day. He goes, oh, shit, we're live. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll post it on Spotify and all that shit in a couple of days. <sighs> shit, but, you're going to break the internet. <laughs> I might. Uh, well, Calvin, thank you so much for coming on. And anytime, like I said, we'll we'll get you guys all on, and we'll have one big podcast powwow. Absolutely. GB, thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for letting me sit in, joining in on the fun. Uh, but we appreciate you guys, Calvin. Cool to listen to you guys. Obviously, uh, Jeremy and Danny, great to have you guys as always. Uh, so we greatly appreciate it. But uh, that's gonna do it. Make sure we check them out. Ripping the rack and uh, the approach, both I guess all on, on all major streaming platforms, right? Yep. Check them out everywhere. So yeah. I don't know. I let Brian do all the time. <laughs> Hit all the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, appreciate you guys joining with us. Please check them out. Uh, and then we'll, we'll see you guys next time.